Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. It's your host, Hodan, and welcome back to Muslim Like Me. Um, I know I haven't posted a couple episodes um, for a few weeks, but I do have a couple drafts and I will be posting them over the course of the next, I think, maybe month and a half. So it's not like I'm slacking. Your girl has just been busy with work and life and everything that comes with being an adult, which actually has a lot to do with today's episode. So tuck in with your coffee or your tea or wherever you are when you're listening to this and we'll get into it. But I've been doing the adulting thing (laughs) it sounds ridiculous to say it out loud actually because it's like aren't we all aren't we all going through this phase of just like trying to figure things out it doesn't matter if you're 15 or 20 or 30 or 60 i think up until the moment where we end up leaving this you know temporary existence we're all still working on something we're all still living we're all still figuring out who we really are and what mark we want to make on this world um and I think for me, it's been a very different experience of just kind of like the growing pains. You know, I I never really understood what that phrase meant until recently. And for me, at least, well, I knew what it meant metaphorically speaking, obviously, but I didn't know what a growing pain meant for me. And looking at my life right now and being very reflective on where I am, of course, first I have to obviously say alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah for my health, for my wealth in both family and joy and just my opportunity to exist um and again even though we are grateful i think a lot of the times we aren't allowed to really reflect we aren't allowed to have the opportunity to grow outside of ourselves and i think that's really unfortunate because right now where i am in my life um and i by the way i should have said this earlier on but talking about earlier on i just started the episode (laughs) But um, it is 10.27 p.m. June 13th when I'm recording this, and hopefully by the end of the episode, it will be June 14th, and obviously that sounds stupid when I say it, but I am turning 23 June 14th, that's my birthday, and I thought it would be you know, I thought it would be poetic, but now I'm, I'm now that I'm thinking about it, like in real time, I'm beginning to regret it. But I thought I'd record this episode about, you know, leaving and growing up and like kind of the process of adulting and becoming your own person as I'm moving into my 23rd year of life. I don't know if you guys will view it as poetic or if you think it's ridiculous. Either way, you are entitled to your opinions. But yeah, I'm entering my 23rd year of life in less than two hours. And that's interesting. My siblings have already started wishing me a happy birthday on Instagram. If you guys want to follow me on Instagram, it's at sprinkles of black. It will also be tagged down below. But um, with my siblings bringing up my old memories and posting these old childhood pictures of us and my best friend, shout out to Esha. I love you always. Um, they've been just kind of putting me in a place of nostalgia where I look at where I was versus where I am now. And I think it's a very natural feeling, right? To look back at your life and see where you were versus where you are now and kind of think about the differences in emotion, the differences in your physical being, your spiritual being. And I think growing up, the one thing we don't realize when we're kids, because we're super eager to grow up when we're kids, right? Like, I remember vividly being in like elementary school, like primary school, thinking like, "Ooh, I can't wait to be an adult. I'm going to rule my own life. I'm going to like, no one can tell me what to do. Like, I'm, I'm going to be that girl, right? And like, now I am an adult. And I don't really feel like I'm that girl, if that makes sense. <laughs> Oh my god, I'm already putting a shadow over this, but um, you really don't, like, adulting, it's not all that hot. Like, if you're a, a younger, although I don't know if my demographic who listen to this podcast are younger, but if you're younger, it is really not all that hot. Um, being an adult, yes, does mean you make your own decisions. Ain't nobody setting up no bedtime or nothing for you or telling you what to do, when to do it, but you're doing it alone, and it's something they don't really tell you. And I was listening to um, this other podcast that was talking about fears and regrets. 
And I think a lot of those things manifest in these kind of years, right? Whether it's in your 20s or your teens when you're figuring out what colleges to go to or in your 30s when you're figuring out what kind of homes you're supposed to buy. And also, again, this is very abstract, right? Because who says there's like an expiration date on figuring out what you want to be or like there's an expiration date on figuring out what kind of home you want to own or figuring out you know, marriage and children, there should never be. And again, it will be because of society and society sucks. And we already know this. And I don't really, really want to like drag on that point. But we reach milestones in our lives. And sometimes that milestone doesn't look like how you dreamt it up to be. And that's completely normal. And a part of my growing pains right now is I again, I think I've mentioned this or exhausted this on the podcast enough, but I'm an eldest daughter in a Somali home. And I've always been a sister and a mom to my siblings and a best friend to my mother and somewhat of someone who like somewhat of a confidant for my father. And I think carrying these titles and carrying a lot of that weight and also being very conscious of what that weight means, not just to me, but for my family and what it means for so many other girls, because there's so many other eldest daughters in Somali homes who carry or live with the same, you know, what some people would call burdens that I do. It's just like you look at it and you wonder what you're carrying that for, if that makes sense. I don't know how to word that better than that. But I've always been that support system for my family as they have been for me. And now I'm learning as an adult, surprise, surprise, (laughs) that I have to be my own support system, that I have to be there for me, even in the times where it feels difficult, even in the times where it feels hurried, even in the times where I'm not sure if I have the ability to be there for myself. Because, and I had this conversation on the phone with my older brother the other day, um, and we were talking about this because I was like, I was really just like exhausted and burnt out from working hella hours and just like spending my weekend sleeping it off only to start it all over again and my life began to feel very monotonous and I had the really you know kind of like peculiar thought of like would seven-year-old Holland like this would seven-year-old Holland look at me and be like wow you're killing it she would probably look at me and be like wow this is very depressing (laughs) she would probably think like is this all there is to being an adult And he kind of gave me a perspective because I said, I also said something along the lines of, and I think I should include this for context, but I said something along the lines of, I feel like I have to do everything by myself and I'm alone. And I feel like even though, you know, my mom and my dad want to be there for me, they can't. They're a whole continent, not a whole continent, several continents away from me. And there's only so much support that I can get over the phone. Um, There's only so much support other people can give me in a place where I am supposed to establish myself and the word is I'm using the word supposed to very very heavily and he said to me listen like don't ever think you're alone don't ever say you're alone because you never are alone he was like everything happens everything happens because Allah willed it to happen he said he said be so it became so for you to sit here and say I'm doing this all alone is not only you know like kind of like looking at yourself in a very, you know, kind of negative lens, but also looking down upon the blessings of your Lord. And I thought about that and I sat with that and I really carried it. And I thought really and truly, even when I feel alone, Allah is still there. He's still looking at me. He's still loving me. Even in the times where I may not deserve all the love that I get from God, he's still blessing me because these opportunities don't just show up. They come because Allah put them in my life, you know? And like they say in Surah Al-Rahman, you know, multiple times. Um, and which of your Lord's favors will you deny? Because every good thing that happens in your life is a favor from your Lord. And I read the other day something that Sheikh Al-Azhar said that also, you know, coincidentally I saw after my conversation with my brother. And I, you know, anyone who knows me knows I don't believe in coincidences. I believe in signs from God. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala meant for me to see that quote because it said, the same Lord who doesn't punish, the same Lord who doesn't um, answer your prayers immediately is the same Lord who doesn't punish you for your sins immediately. And he said at the end, the last line is what got me, guys. He said, those are both acts of mercy. 
Like, just like, I want you guys to sit with that. The same Lord who does not answer your prayers immediately is the same Lord who does not punish you for your sins immediately. Those are both acts of mercy. And honestly, like, just like putting that into perspective with my whole adulting thing, like leaving and growing up, um, and just for everyone who's had to leave and grow up and leaving doesn't have to be a physical thing right like not in the not in the traditional sense of having to leave somewhere physically even though that's what it was for me i left my family continents away and moved here to do my thing because you know it's time and sometimes time will just kind of clear the way for you and you'll look look back and like realize like wow this whole time i could have been more appreciative of the life that I had, could have been more appreciative of my family, could have hugged my sisters a little longer, could have, you know, hung out with them a little more. And for me, it's like I have a very, very, very tight-knit relationship with my family. I know that's not the case for everyone. We FaceTime literally every single day, if not every other day. Um, And I still feel that way. And feeling that way is very valid. And feeling that way is natural, especially if you're an eldest daughter like I am. And for a long time, your siblings are also your surrogate children. If In many ways, we're deputy parents and have raised our siblings with our parents. So when we talk about growing pains and the idea of leaving and growing up, and also, by the way, just to drop this in, I listened to Harry Styles' album, which um, really messed me up. <laughs> I was listening to the song Matilda over and over and over and over and over again because first of all, Matilda was my favorite movie growing up. Guys, if anyone knows anything about me as a child, I was obsessed with three things, Hannah Montana, Matilda, and Pocahontas. The latter being racist once I watched it as an adult. I will admit that it was extremely a misrepresentation of the indigenous community in this country and I no longer hold the affinity I did for it when I was younger, but I do remember how I felt then. And I remember the ache I felt when the credits would roll and I wanted it to play again and I'd always make my mom like, Hoya, start it all over again. And she's like, no, it's bedtime. (laughs) But I remember the joys I felt as a child and I watched Matilda up until I was an adult. I still I still rewatch Matilda seasonally, not gonna lie. I don't just like stop watching movies that I really love. I'm obsessive like that. <laughs> and he titled that song Matilda and in essence he wrote that song about a friend of his who was leaving and growing up. And he says, I think a couple times, like, um, you don't have to be sorry for leaving and growing up. And in particular, this kind of ties back to Matilda's story because Matilda had a family that didn't show her a lot of love. And he says something about um, you can start a family who will always show you love like you don't need that family and although word for word isn't the case for me my family does show me a lot of love and I'm very 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 grateful for that and I can't be more grateful but the idea of leaving and growing up feeling guilty for leaving the idea of feeling like growing up is coming way too fast there are days where I look in the mirror y'all if I'm being very very vulnerable gosh I cannot believe I'm putting this out there (laughs) But if I'm being very, very vulnerable, there are days when I look in the mirror and I really wish I was a kid. And I know that doesn't sound as ridiculous as it feels, but it does feel very ridiculous because it's like, I know I'm not going to be a kid again. I know someday, heck, inshallah, I might have my own child. And one thing that I really, really wish I'll be able to do, and I thought about this on my drive home today from work, is I hope I will be able to create the kind of magic and joy that my mother and father were were able to create for me as a child. Like my parents, when I was growing up, didn't really have much and yet were able to make me feel like I was living in a, in a Disney movie. Like my life, I was very rainbows and lollipops, y'all. Like I remember a lot of my uh, family members who are a little older, aunts, uncles, cousins, whoever, like as an adult now would tell me like, oh, then you were just living in your own world. Like nothing could bring you down. You were always happy. There was not a single cloud that you would not find a silver lining in. And I want to, through my growing pains and through leaving and growing up, be able to rediscover that. I want to be able to drink coffee in the morning and, you know, sigh because it tastes so good. I want to be able to dance in my home and feel happy about it. I want to be able to see rain and see the blessing of it. I want to be able to enjoy my time with my friends and feel like I'm on top of the world. I want to be able to be present and really live. I don't want to survive because my parents had to survive. My parents had to survive so I could live 
And I really, really don't think any of us really can truly ever grasp the kind of struggles and especially especially the children of immigrants children of people who were refugees we will never be able to fully fully like mentally kind of discern the trauma our parents experienced and the kind of pain they just had to push through to smile for us while they watched us blow blow um birthday candles so because of their struggle i'm able to live and i have to take the most of that um experience and i have to be able to deeply appreciate my life it feels hard sometimes and i'm not trying to make this look all you know again rainbows and lollipops like when we were kids but it's hard it really is hard but we can reach a point where even in our darkest days even when you feel like the horizon is yet to come and that it's never going to shine again even on those days where you feel like it's the hardest to get out of bed to remember that you are literally the tangible you know results of generations of struggle you are the tangible results of generational struggles. People have fought for generations in the dream of you one day existing. And here you are. And here we are. So even though I feel a certain way some days, even though some days it's harder to smile than others, even though some days I delete or like, you know, go offline for like days and just don't check socials or check out mentally from different situations, I'm still able to kind of pull myself back in and reel into the thought that my mother fought for me and my father fought for me to be able to be as happy as I can, for there to be no limits to my happiness, for there to be no limits to my professional ability, to be, for there to be no limits to how far I can go in academia. And with those struggles, I'm able to now, alhamdulillah, in a year or so graduate with a master's degree in clinical psychology. I'm with their struggle, able to have the opportunity to apply for doctorate programs and one day, inshallah, cross a stage with my mother and father watching, with my mother and father who've struggled their entire lives watching their daughter be a doctor. So I know the story is not the same for all of us. I always like to say this to my friends, that we're all living the same lives in different fonts, which I, again, r- think really does ring to be true. We're all living the same life in different fonts. The details may be different. The situations may be different. The career aspirations may be different. The struggles might be different. But in essence, children of immigrants bond over the struggle and sacrifice that has molded the opportunities we have now. And part of my growing up, right? Part of my becoming the Holden that I am today. And a lot of my friends look at me as like the strong friend, you know, the maternal friend. And it's kind of funny to me because I don't really see myself as that. Sure, I do see myself as like the maternal sibling, the maternal daughter or whatever. But as a friend, I never really viewed myself as that until my friends would pinpoint like, hey, you're very caring. You're very nurturing. And I don't think that's a bad thing necessarily. But I do think that that's a part of me just being appreciative of the fact that I am here and we all are and that we all have the capacity to heal and that we all have the capacity to become greater than we ever imagine ourselves to be. And you know what's really weird? Going back to the whole like, you know, your coffee tasting perfect and dancing and like, you know, appreciating the rain and all that stuff. The younger versions of ourselves had the wildest dreams, the wildest dreams, like really, truly, literally like look at yourself right now and just like think what was my dream job or like occupation or whatever as a kid we shot for the stars y'all like we literally shot for the stars and who we are now might be a tad bit disappointing to the child we were once but the child we were once didn't understand what this life really meant and if we're being cruelly honest the child that we were wasn't prepared for all of the sorrow and the bitterness and the grief and the loss that comes with each stage of our lives And I know I sound like I'm trying to be like a philosopher, (laughs) but that's really not my goal with this. I just, I'm turning 23 and to many people that's so young and I have so much living left to do, which I mean, you could counter that statement by saying, you never know how much living you have left to do. You know, your your clock is ticking and you could die tomorrow, which is very true. But to many people, I'm like not even at the prime of my youth, but I feel like I'm losing parts of myself. And I know a lot of us feel that loss where you look at the version of yourself that you once were and kind of feel an ache in your chest, the same kind of ache I felt when Pocahontas' credits would roll as a child, where you wonder where all the time went. 
where sometimes you may feel like, is this all there really is? Oh, gosh, that's 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 the one. That's the thought. Is this all there really is to living? Is this all there really is to existing? And there's always greater purpose. Like my brother said, Allah says, kun fayakun, be and so it is. So God does have a purpose for us. We all have a purpose. We may not be living up to our full potential right now, but guess what? You have the ability to live to your full potential. And I think the one thing that I think about now as an adult that I didn't probably understand when I was a child is we have the ability to be our greatest cheerleader, but we also have the ability to be the greatest critic. Guys, you can be a villain in your own life so fast. You could quickly become the most toxic thing to ever happen to you. And I think it happens subconsciously without us even consciously realizing that we're doing it to ourselves. Imposter syndrome is a great thing that has become a growing pain in my life. I know it's been a growing pain for so many people, but conquering it is something that I'm looking forward to doing in my 23rd year of life. So in many ways, this podcast episode is going to be kind of like an audio journal that I'll look back to maybe when I'm turning 24, inshallah, inshallah, and maybe I'll be able to be like, hey, I beat that feeling or hey, it's still here. <laughs> um, but we feel certain ways of, about growing up, especially like in your 20s. Or I know a lot of people in my age group feel this way where it's just like, I'm no longer a child, but I don't know how to be an adult either. <laughs> like I'm paying taxes. Very crazy. Like I'm like... <laughs> I'm buying my own groceries. I'm like, it's like, and it's like, I'm used to doing those kind of things for my family, by the way, but I've just never been alone in the sense that like, I have to do things. I would do things because I was doing them for my family, if that makes sense. Like, oh, like, oh, get the groceries for the month for the family or like, go do this for your family. Da, 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 da. I was doing it with the intention of doing it for my siblings and my mom and my dad, but I've never gone out of my way to be like, okay, I'm doing this for me. And that's another thing that like a couple of people in my life have pointed out to me is like, hold on, you've lived a lot of your life for other people. And I sit back and I'm like, dang, I have lived a lot of my life <laughs> for other people. And I don't regret it, by the way. I want that to be very clear. If there's anything that... I've ever done, I do it out of love and I do it out of compassion. I do it out of empathy and care. And I think that's what a lot of people should do. It's like um, this one quote that, um, I don't know if it's a quote or if it's something she literally said, but one of my friends was like, when you give things to people, whether it's your love, your service, your energy, let it be like pouring a cup of water into the ocean. You'll never be able to see it again. Therefore, you don't think of it ever again. I don't think it's healthy to ever keep score of the things you do for other people whether it's for you um, mentally or for the other person who you're throwing it back in their face it's not a healthy thing to do it's actually a very maladaptive toxic thing to kind of use to counteract things but um right now i'm living for me and i can say that happily my family i deeply love them and they deeply love me and i know that will never change inshallah but i am going to parks and reading books. I am, you know, having days where I just take me time, where I just lay in bed and do literally nothing but skincare and read books. Again, reading books is a very big theme of self-care for me. If anyone <laughs> is curious, I'm a very big reader. I've read about 98 books so far this year. And one of my friends was like, you're crazy. How have you managed to read 98 books? But reading is a true passion of mine. So it's like, I do these things, I go book shopping, and tomorrow I'm probably going to take myself out as a, you know, self-birthday gift to go and buy books. But I feel like a lot of us don't understand or don't feel comfortable enough to confront ourselves and be like, I need to start truly affording myself happiness. No one else is going to afford you your happiness. And I think a part of the growing up and leaving things behind is leaving behind the idea that you don't deserve or that someone else has to sweep in like your Prince Charming or your Cinderella and offer you happiness. Happiness only comes when you seek it. Happiness can only come from within. And that sounds super corny to some, but it's actually, y'all, it's facts. Ain't nobody about to make you happy. You need to make you happy. And for me, happiness has been long walks by myself. Happiness has been sitting in parks and reading books or people watching. Oh gosh, I love people watching. I know it sounds super stalkerish when you say it out loud, but who doesn't love people watching? I like looking in on other people's lives and being able to be like, these are a lot of people, strangers who I will never know who are living their own intricate lives. I believe the word for that is sonder. You know, knowing that everyone else is like living their own life. Everyone has their own story. Everyone's a main character in their own little bubble. And you know nothing about it. 
they know nothing and similarly you are reflecting the mirror of they know nothing about you they just see you sitting there or having a coffee or eating and they know nothing about your life story and you are the main character in your own life and by the way if you are not the main character in your own life you need to get it, you need to get it together i don't know who you need to tell you this but you need to be the main character of your own life you need to be the person who is directing the scenes writing it executing it whatever it is that needs to be done because you are besides allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the author of your own story and um i feel like growing up also means for me again this is going to be very self-reflective as the clock is ticking it's 10 50 right now and that means it's about what an hour and 10 minutes until i'm 23 gosh this sounds so childish (laughs) y'all but it's really it's really like interesting to look at what growing up means for me specifically as Hoban. And I think you should all look within yourselves, whoever's listening to this. Um, what does it mean for you to grow up? What does it mean for you to look within yourself and think, this is who I'm becoming and I'm the holder of my destiny? Again, besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I'm the one who chooses what I am doing. And choice is a very powerful word, by the way. Choice means you have the autonomy of judgment to either go down this path or the other, to turn down this opportunity or to accept it, to pursue this career or to not pursue it. And I know a lot of us may not feel like we are the authors of our own stories. Sometimes it's a very unbecoming feeling or an unbecoming realization. But in all honesty, We are the ones who decide what we do, and especially as young adults, because now you're in this place where even if you do live with your family, you don't really have to have my situation, really. Even if you are around your family, you are the one who makes the choices as to what you're doing and what you're not, and sometimes that can be really stressful. I feel like people don't emphasize enough, like being the responsible person who has to make their own choices, that is scary. I feel like some people are embarrassed to actually talk about how scary it is being an adult. Being an adult is scary. Like my little sister, my 16-year-old sister, she's turning 16 on the 17th, but she's like, adulting is ghetto. Like she can literally look at me and like assess, like adulting feels very ghetto. (laughs) And also just to add on to that, I don't want this to be a pity party about like, oh, you know, I'm a victim, da 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 And like adulting has been so hard and I'm crying about it. No, I want this to feel reflective. And if it doesn't, then gosh, this is coming off the wrong way. (laughs) But just looking at my own life, and who I am and who I'm becoming, it's very interesting to just see younger me would have never seen me being a therapist or a clinical psychologist or pursuing the career that I want to pursue. Younger me probably thought I was going to conquer the world. Um, And I think in many ways, younger me, if she had the understanding that I had now, would still probably be proud of me because I am conquering my own world. And it feels like I kind of disappoint her, but I also kind of do make her proud because mental health was not something, of course, a child thinks of. If there's a child out there thinking about mental health, I feel really, really badly for them because children deserve to live fully unaware of all of the issues and the bitterness and the loss that there is in this world. And even though I know that is not true and that there are a lot of children who are hurting and that there are a lot of children who are going through severe situations, I hope there wasn't. And I I know my hope can only go so far, but little me did not know about any of this. So I'm speaking from my individual experience, right? So because mental health was obviously not something I thought of as a child, I feel like if I did, I would still in many ways be proud of who I'm becoming because what is my career doing? It is helping me heal my community. It is helping me, you know, help people remove themselves from the labels that society put on them because society, again, puts all of us in these cute little cookie cutter boxes and it's kind of like a Pandora's box to try to escape your way out. And I know that it's still a very touchy topic and I will do a whole episode, by the way, dedicated to mental health disorders and the myths that are tied to it and how our community negatively impacts the progress that so, so, so many young Muslim, Somali, Black mental health workers are doing out there. Um, So I don't really want to delve into that for this episode, but I feel like she would be proud. She might be a little disappointed that I'm not like flying out to space or something. (laughs) 
But generally speaking, I think she would be proud about where I am, about how much love I've surrounded myself with, about how much love I'm giving out, about how I'm learning to freely forgive. Because y'all probably don't know this about me. Ooh, I was such a petty person. When I was a teenager, I, I was talking to one of my high school friends a, while, a couple days ago while texting her. And we were talking about some high school experiences we had. And I was like, bro, I don't know how you could stand me. Like, I can't stand 16, 17-year-old me when I think about it right now. Like, I don't know how you could could have, like, really withstood the kind of storm of a person I was. And she really just was like, you know, you never impacted me with that. Maybe other people, but not me. And growth is a very beautiful thing, y'all. Growing pains can be painful, but it it is also, on the other flip side, extremely beautiful because I do not recognize who I was when I was 16 or 17. I do not at all. I think I came from a place of ignorance. I think I came from a place of lack of understanding. And I definitely think I came from a place of not being able to resonate with other people's experiences and sympathize. I am thoroughly embarrassed about the kind of things I used to say, about the kind of things I was. And with chess too, gosh, teenagers are so audacious. They have all the audacity in the world, besides men, obviously. Teenagers are the second demographic (laughs) that have hella audacity for no reason so I definitely do regret um not regret I think that's a bad word because then there would have never been any growth I definitely do kind of look look at that version of me mournfully and wish she was better but then again on the flip side there are many flip sides here folks I look at the version of me that I was in my undergraduate degree and I really miss her and I really miss all of the aspirations she had and I really miss all of her creativity and her inspiration guys I was so inspired I wrote so much poetry in my undergrad like I literally would be sitting somewhere waiting in line for something or whatever it was and I would have my notes app pulled up and I would write a bomb poem like I would ooh me in grads in undergrad versus me in grad school now creativity levels are not the same and i'm not saying like i'm an uncreative uninspired person but i am saying that the version of myself that i was then much more brighter much more interesting to me again uh, interest is very much a perceptive thing but i do wish that i had a lot of that inspiration and a lot of that creativity back again wishing is or like wishful thinking, generally speaking, can turn negative very quickly because then you mourn that version of yourself to a toxic degree. But I think I've reached a point in my life right now where I look back and I acknowledge that that was who I was, whether it was the ignorant version of me or the super creative I was, and kind of move forward and think about who I'm building in the future, who I'm becoming. And I think that's the most important thing that I want to highlight in this episode is growing pains will always, as the name suggests, be a painful adjustment. And growing up and leaving, leaving and growing up, they're very, very hard things to do. You have adapted to this environment, to this state of mind, to the state of being for so long. And now it's time to grow up. Now it's time to pay your own bills. Now it's time to be a taxpayer. I never realized why old white people are so bitter about paying taxes until I started paying taxes. I literally like anytime I have a conversation with like a very ignorant old white person the first thing to come out their mouth if not the second is I'm a taxpayer and I used to be like yeah all right but now that I'm an adult who pays taxes and the tax cut is not cheap y'all like they not cut in like a hundred or two hundred dollars out of each paycheck it's anyways I'm not gonna get into that but now that I'm an adult and I'm doing these adult things it can make you bitter sometimes it can make you cynical not just of capitalism, which we should all be cynical of. Again, I can, I'm can. i going to do a whole separate episode about capitalism because it's just a very, very evil system. That stems in colonization, by the way, but that's something for the next episode. Um, I was going to say in regards to like growing up and doing these things, you realize a lot like I've been very dependent on whether it's your parents or other adults that were in your life to lead the way. My dad, up until now, like even when he calls me and we speak, he gives me a lot of advice because my dad's very much a business person. Like he would be like, okay, we'll do this, don't do that, make sure that you get this done, make sure you get that done to some degree. But a lot of the decision making is on me. My mom, similarly, 
calls me and goes, Hoya, make sure you get this done. Make sure you do that. Which for the not Somali speakers means I've, I pray for you. And I always tell a lot of people too, the reason why I feel like I've been able to accomplish so much in my life, so, so much, and I'm not even trying to exaggerate, is because of my mother's prayers. Hoya's dua has gotten me through the roughest, and I mean the roughest patches of my life. And I know it sounds really like pretentious because I'm literally only 22, well, turning 23. And it seems like I have so much life to live and so many more hurdles to face, which is true. There's a lot in the future that I don't know about. There's going to be a lot of tears that I'm yet to shed, a lot of pain I'm yet to feel. But throughout my life so far, my mother's dua has gotten me through so much. My mother's prayers, the fact that she constantly thinks of me in sajda, I'm not trying to get emotional on this episode, y'all. But growing growing up and like kind of leaving that comfort, the comfort of, you know, my mom on nights where I feel stressed out, oiling my hair and massaging my scalp and telling me everything's going to be okay. Because when you're a child, you look up at your parents and you think they have all the answers, all the answers. They don't. They're very good at pretending like they do, but they do not. They're also just figuring stuff out. I recently looked at this quote and I had posted it on my TikTok. Um, it was like, it said something, it said something really dark to me, by the way. Um, I'm going to look up the quote, but it's, it's basically talking very vividly about the relationship that a mother and her daughter have. Oh, here the quote is, y'all. The quote says, and I'm quoting it, (laughs) mothers and daughters exist as wretched mirrors of each other. Mothers and daughters exist as wretched mirrors of each other. I am all you could have been and you are all I might be. How crazy is that? That 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 shit stuck with me for 48 hours. 48 hours. It was like all I could think of. And I know a lot of people are like, oh, like you got stuff to do. I was doing things, multitasking as I am, thinking about this quote. Mothers and daughters exist as wretched mirrors of each other. I am all you could have been, and you are all I might be. And it's just like you sit with that and you really think about it, and it's it's very true. Whoever wrote that eight, someone named Honey Tuesday posted it on Tumblr. And Honey Tuesday, if you are the author of that quote, you did not need to put us through all that, girly. But it is true. And every single time I know that my mother prays for me and thinks of me, she wants the best for me. My mother wants me to accomplish all the dreams she couldn't. Our dreams were very different. Obviously, she had other, you know, um, things she wanted to achieve in her life and she wasn't able to. And as I was reading that quote, I thought like, you know what? My mother had me at 22. I'm 22. I could have been a mother. And I'm still figuring stuff out. That's that's I think that's the main thing that I'm trying to focus on. My mother had me when she was my age. Well, actually younger than I am now because I'm literally turning 23. But she was still growing up. She was still figuring stuff out. And she had my older brother when she was 18. So it's like a lot of our parents, Wallah al-Azim, Excuse that. But um, a lot of our parents grow up while they're raising us. And I don't think we deep that. We do not deep that at all. We're so quick to judge, quick to be like, oh, she's this, she's that, he's this, he's that. Our parents were children who were raising children. My dad only told me this recently, by the way. He was like, when your mom gave birth to you and I held you in my arms, I looked at you and I was like, gosh, I'm a kid myself and now I have a kid and now I have to raise a kid. And I remember at the time I was very, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, I was very insensitive. I was like, a kid, you were not a kid. You were 26, get out of here. And he was like, no, I was a kid at heart. He was like, I had hella responsibilities, obviously, since I was like 16, 17, where he was sending money back to his whole family and providing for them while figuring out school. But also he was like, now it was crunch time. Like I have this little human being who needs me to protect them, to make them feel like it's all all right, to make sure that they feel secure and protected and i can say confidently that my parents did a great job in making sure that i never ever ever wished for anything i always felt like my parents had it on lock my dad no matter how hard his day at work was always every single night sat next to me in a rocking chair and read me stories and my mom jokes about it a lot about how my dad and i are the nerds of our family because we're the only ones who read no one else really enjoys reading in our family but i really think that he built that in me and because that was my experience as a child and that's how we bonded i was able to become an extremely obsessive reader and we never really think about it that way like our parents were kids who were supporting their families and supporting their kids and supporting themselves 
And I once asked my Hoy, I was like, Hoy, who was there for you? Like, who was really there for you? And you know what she said? She said, Allah. SubhanAllah. She said, Allah was there for me. That was about it. And I know we can say all these crazy things of like how like we want to be gentle parents and stuff like that. And I don't think those are outrageous ideas, by the way. I think we should be gentle parents. I think we should all aspire to be gentle parents. But another thing that I think can be like true and real at the same time as us wanting to be better parents than we had is to realize that our parents did the best they could with what they had. And a part of growing up is kind of realizing like you are now in the life stage that your parents were once in. You are now in that figuring out stage that they were also in. And because of their sacrifices, we're able to do a lot more. We're able to achieve a lot more. We have a lot more windows open for us. I know we talk about generational wealth and stuff like that, but our parents really were the backbone of making sure that we didn't need to survive, that we had to live. We didn't need to survive. We got the opportunity to live. And that just sits with me in a way that I don't think other things that I can talk about tonight would. All right, so changing gears a little bit, I want to talk about what leaving and growing up can mean for those who really did need to leave and grow up. And I think we all do need it, but some more than others. And the guilt that it carries, even though it's something they need to do. And who I'm speaking of right now are those who may not have had the most loving upbringing, those who, even if they did have the most loving upbringing, knew that the environment they were in was not serving the purpose of growing them, the purpose of kind of being in a positive headspace. And even though there are people who come from homes where it didn't feel like home, right? People who come from homes where you felt like it was a constant battle between you wanting to do what you want to do versus you disappointing your parents or you not being able to have even a moment of peace and now all of a sudden being able to have all the silence in the world. And I read something recently in a psychology journal. I find a way to bring my career into every single episode, don't I? (laughs) But I read something in a psychology journal about how people who come from very abusive, whether it's emotionally or physical, households um, do this thing where when they Um, kind of when your body recognizes that you're finally in a safe place, you kind of hibernate. And I say kind of hibernate because it obviously is not like you're going to hibernate like a bear and just lay there for five months, but kind of hibernate in the sense that like your body shuts down and finally relaxes. You'll find yourself laying in bed for three, four, five days. You'll find yourself not wanting to leave. And that in itself is a body response to the fact that you finally feel safe. I don't know if you guys know or not, but when people come from an abusive background, again, abuse does not always have to be physical. Emotional abuse is also very real and causes emotional scars that we never see. So when someone comes from that kind of a background, leaving and growing up can be very different. In the way that I mourn leaving and growing up while also kind of looking forward to it, that is not the same for someone who's traumatized. That is not the same for someone who's endured sexual assault someone who's endured physical assault, someone who's endured emotional assault. Um, For them, it can be scary, but relieving. And again, I don't want to speak on other people's experiences because if there's one thing that I've learned as a therapist is to never assume everyone has their own story and their own perception of reality is the only perception of reality that is important and entitled to their story. So I'm not going to sit here and say I have all the answers to everyone's life problems or that I completely understand where everyone is coming from because that would not only be completely wrong and a lie but also would be intellectually dishonest but I will say that if you're listening to this podcast and you are someone who is leaving and growing up from a violent situation or a situation that was not in any way shape or form positive and leaving is a positive thing for you you are brave and I don't think enough people get called brave for leaving and growing up I think they get called selfish which again, I don't know why selfish is such a bad word. I don't think selfish is a bad word. Um, But the way the word selfish makes us feel is a very nasty emotion, right? Like when someone goes, you're doing this, you're selfish. That emotion is gut-wrenching. It's it's horrible. It's absolutely, it's it makes you feel like there's something wrong with choosing yourself. Because a lot of the times, by the way, the way the word selfish is used is against people who are like, finally choosing themselves and selfish in the sense that like you are no longer serving me 
You are no longer choosing to abandon yourself in order for me to feel great. And you cannot pour from a cup that has nothing. All there is left in that cup is emptiness. And as you keep pouring and pouring and pouring all of your emptiness, guess what you're doing? You are now making the other person now clock and like sense, oh, this person does really not have anything to give. And that's why a lot of people seem emotionally cut off. That's why a lot of people seem like they're just kind of like wilting through the day. And I think it's really sad. So to those of you who are leaving and growing up from these situations, I commend you. You are brave. You are strong beyond your senses. And I know a lot of people, including myself, I don't like the label strong. I don't like when people look at someone who's been in a very horrible situation or look at me and go, you're strong. Because as a black woman, the connotation for the strong black woman or like the stereotype of like being a strong black woman has not served me, has not served many black women. I want to be soft. And I commend you for being brave enough to allow yourself to move into an environment where you can finally be vulnerable, finally be soft, finally just be the most emotionally kind of laid back version of yourself that you did not have the privilege to be. And kind of pinpointing on the whole soft life thing, because I know it's a trend on social media and everybody's like, I want to be a baby girl. I want to live a soft life. Da, 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 da. There is nothing more beautiful for me at least, than to see people finally realizing you don't have to struggle your whole life, bro. Like you do not, I think there used to be a lot of, um, I want to find the perfect word to describe this. There was a lot of pride. There was a lot of pride in struggle where people were very willing to be martyrs for other people to succeed, where people were very willing to be stepping stones and placeholders in order to be seen as the person who sacrificed it all and still is you know moving forward and taking it in stride and I like to see that being in many ways kind of like discarded I love it I love to see it I want people to realize that growing leaving and growing up does not mean that you're a martyr does not mean that you are leaving the sense of kind of responsibility that has been kind of placed on your shoulders because you are selfish or because you don't understand what real struggle is i hate people who say stuff like that you don't understand what real struggle is why do you want people to struggle why do you want people to have to understand what struggle is why do you wish pain on people struggle is pain my friends some struggle is worth it in the end and you will learn the lessons and you will reap the fruits but not all struggle is good struggle let me say that again (laughs) not all struggle is good struggle So why would you wish that upon other people? It is insane to me the obsession that people have had for a very long time that has not been called out with just being the person that every responsibility, every burden has to fall upon. And my siblings had this running joke where um, we used to be like, well, like there's always like this, this like chip on my shoulder where I felt like super bitter because I never had I never had the opportunity to like kind of delve into a lot of things that I wanted to. I wanted to when I was younger to be a writer and I had to pursue a practical career. And there's nothing wrong with practical careers. But when you're a kid and you dream and you have these ideas and you really want to do these things, it kind of is a chip on your shoulder where you feel like, oh, well, I wish I could have done this. But now looking back, I don't really feel that way. I don't really resonate with the wild ideas I had when I was younger, but does that mean I, I don't miss the way I felt? Does that mean I don't miss the passion that I had for those things? It does not. But I also now have passion for other things. I still am writing. <laughs> I am writing a first draft for a novel and I am finalizing my poetry book. I am passionate about mental health now. I am passionate about being able to help people. I'm passionate about this podcast. So it's like that passion won't run out. But at the same time, it's like I want people to like embrace the soft girl, soft boy life. There's nothing wrong with wanting nice things for yourself. There's nothing wrong with going on holiday with a bunch of your friends and having the best time ever. There's nothing wrong with buying nice, luxurious things for yourself if you can afford it. Right. And there's nothing wrong with aspiring for better. And I think the way people shame those who want that soft life, it just, it comes off very bitter, no? It comes off very like you are too afraid to dream to that capacity. So you're kind of mad at the people who are type energy. And I I just really don't mess with it. I don't think that it's practical. I don't think that it's kind. I don't think that it's hip. So for all those who are embracing the soft life in this step of growing up, good for you. 
good for you. And I mean that in the most kind, in the most accepting, in the most loving way I can say as somewhat of a big sister. Um, someone responded to one of my Instagram um, thingies on the Muslim Like Me Instagram. If you don't follow us on Instagram, it's Muslim Like Me Podcast. And they were like, you feel like the big sister that I never had. And guys, that comment or like that that message made me feel like someone was hugging my heart because I know there's so many people who didn't have the opportunity to have big sisters. I didn't have the opportunity to have a big sister. So it's like knowing that I am that for someone else or that when they listen to my podcast, they feel like I'm a big sister to them, even though they might be older than me or my age. It, it It's a very humbling feeling. So just in regards to the whole soft life thing to tie that up, like if you can afford it, do it. I saw on someone's um, story the other day, and I will always make social media references, by the way, because I see things on social media that really do open my eyes up to a lot. But I saw this on someone's story and they were like, if I'm able to leave this world just as soft as I was when I got into it, I will have won. And that really made me think like, wow, that is really and truly something to aspire to be. When we were babies and like toddlers, we were the most emotionally vulnerable, soft, accepting, kind, empathetic versions of ourselves. And like, if I'm able to leave this world as soft as I was then, as kind, as just like clean hearted as I was then, growing up might just be worth it. The growing pains might just be something that I have to endure and just swallow and just keep going because there are days where I talked about this in my last episode about loneliness, but like there are days where you just feel lonely, where you feel like no one in the world gets you, that your little problems are like the heaviest thing in the world and you feel like there's nothing that's going to make it end. And really, like what I said earlier, is this all I ever will be? Is this all there ever is to life? There are days when that those kind of thoughts are really like heavily sitting on you or on, on, or on your mind. And one thing I have to say to that is, we as people as people i think are always self-critical critical of others critical of things that are going on around us and that critique to some extent is intelligence again we want to be critical thinkers and not just look at things from one side we want to be nuanced thinkers who can change their mind based on new information right because it's embarrassing to find new information that actually changes your mind but then you want to stick with your pride and be like no i'm going to discard that information no we are critical thinkers here guys <laughs> but also on the other hand it's like that thought of like knowing like oh my gosh i can be super super hypercritical of myself to a degree where it's just like not serving me and I hope, again, I'm treating this like a journal for myself to listen to. Future Hoven, if you're listening, I really do hope that I'm able to make leaving and growing up worth it. And I know a lot of us have that fear of like, am I disappointing my parents? Was Am I? Because they struggled so much. And we see, even though we don't know the full capacity of their struggle, the parts that we do know are very painful to swallow. Knowing that your parents fled countries, fled war zones, work the bones off their skin or actually the skin off their bones you get what I'm saying but like my mother stood at bus stops in the winter you know y'all know what Minnesota winter feels like my mother stood at bus stops in Minnesota winter waiting for a bus that would be delayed for an hour and a half freezing would get home and literally couldn't even wash her hands because she felt like they would literally fall off and I think like I have to make that struggle worth something. And so many immigrant children, we carry that guilt with us growing up. I'm growing up and I'm becoming something or someone. And I hope it is something that is worth that struggle. And I know, again, this might seem hypocritical because I said we don't need to be martyrs and we can live soft lives. But to some degree, that thought will always be there. That consciousness will always be there. And it's a blessing and a curse because... You want to be able to acknowledge your parents' struggles, to be able to acknowledge the hurdles they had to jump through in these foreign lands, to be able to make them proud and make them feel like their growing pains were worth it. But on the other hand, it's like, how far am I pushing myself? Is it worth being burnt out? Is it worth crying, like bursting out crying in your car in the middle of a Target parking lot and not realizing why you're crying, which by the way has happened to me? <laughs> I don't know when I'm going to stop oversharing on the internet, but it's clearly not today. But um, 
sometimes growing pains or the leaving and growing up thing and being in your little Matilda era, because I very much right now am in my Matilda era where I'm figuring it out for myself. Of course, I have a loving family, so it's not really completely Matilda, but even with a loving family, there are things I have to figure out for me. And even though my mom and my dad love me more than anything and sacrificed so much for me, I still have to be the person who does a lot of things to make stuff happen for me. There won't be anyone else to like hold my hand and walk me through becoming the adult I will become. There will not be anyone who's just going to come and sweep in and save the day. Um, I have to sweep in and save my own day. And I have to be able to roll with the punches and make the growing pain worth something. And I hope and I know I know that there's a lot of you out there who are just figuring out how to be an adult, just figuring out how the time is going, blowing out birthday candles and thinking, I'm not ready for another year. I'm not ready to be older than I am and not know what's going on. But guess what? Somehow, some way, you're going to make it work. And somehow, some way, when future me, inshallah, listens back at this, maybe this will be something I look at and go, yeah, I figured it out. Or maybe this will be something I look at and go, hmm, maybe I need to try a different strategy or a different avenue. But either way, what I do know is we are becoming the adults and we are the aunties and uncles. It's actually terrifying to me that I'm I'm an auntie. Like the other day I was at a mall and this little boy was like, Edda, Edda. and I turned around and I was like, are you talking to me? I know you ain't talking to me. Are you talking to me? And he was like, yeah, I needed you to move over. And I was like, okay. But it's <laughs> I didn't tell someone's child, are you talking to me, guys? That was just a mental thought. But I was like, okay. And I moved over and didn't say anything else to him. But like mentally, I was freaking out because I was like, I'm at the auntie stage. But it's like, we are the adults now. And no matter what that means for you in your little reality, you will make it work. And I have faith that you will make it work. It may not feel like that right now. And it may just seem like I'm a weird girl who's like mumbling stuff into a microphone in her bedroom and doesn't have any idea what she's saying, which I probably do not. (laughs) But that again, that's just a part of growing up, not knowing what you're doing and just kind of hoping it works out and, you know, praying about it, your mother and your father's prayers and just figuring out what to do while you're doing it in real time. So it is 11.40 p.m., meaning I have 20 minutes left of being 22. <laughs> I know that doesn't make sense. I know when the clock strikes midnight, I'm not turning 22. I was actually born at 2 p.m., guys. <laughs> now that I'm saying it, it sounds so ridiculous. I was born at 2 p- I was born uh, 2 p.m. <laughs> at St. Louis Park Hospital. Um, so truly born in Minnesota. Is it something I'm genuinely proud of? Not really. Minnesota is a very crazy place, especially for Somali people. Somalis from Minnesota don't get very much good press. But um, <laughs> I don't really think there's much about adulting that we can write a handbook about, right? It's not like something you can be like five reasons or like five ways that you can not mess up your life by Then, Like I can't do that because at the end of the day, we are going to mess up. Whether you try to be a picture-perfect, cookie-cutter version of who you aspire to be and make your little vision boards, or whether you just roll with the punches. Regardless, we're still going to be making mistakes. We're still going to be growing. And I know a lot of us, especially people my age and people who are younger, don't realize or have only just started to get the sobering realization that there's so much grief. There's so much grief. There's so much sadness that surrounds us. And we don't know how to navigate our way through these losses, navigate our way through the fact that death feels very, very real. Existing and life feels even more real because of the constant death and anger and, you know, burning of countries and people that we see happening in our little screens and we scroll away and we forget about it with a new TikTok dance. And then we remember after a couple of days because another person's dead or another thing is happening in another country. And it's just this constant cycle of repeat watching this being very sad, watching that, giggling about it, then re-watching this and being sad again. But I'm here to tell you that we're going to figure it out. Do I know how we're going to figure it out? Hell no. But do I know that we will? Definitely. So again, this is the end of another episode. I hope my ramblings have made some sense to someone, but I want to leave you with this. Growing up and leaving is not always going to go the way we imagine it. Well, nothing really goes the way we imagine it, but it is necessary. It is a part of our lives 
And I really and truly do hope that you believe in yourself enough to offer yourself the grace, offer yourself the compassion and the empathy you deserve even when you're struggling. Even on the days where you look at yourself and might feel so much hate and resentment, even on the days where you might feel angry at yourself for messing something up or not doing something to a degree or a standard that you hold yourself to, I hope on those days you can look at yourself with the same gentleness and compassion that you would look at other people with. And I hope, I really, really do hope, like that one Instagram post said, that we're able to leave this world as soft as we were when we were coming into it, even through the growing pains and even through leaving and growing up and discovering ourselves in this world that is much larger than we actually do realize it is. So happy early birthday to me, I guess. (laughs) I don't know what 23 has for me. And I know when I listen to this in the future, I'm probably going to be like, well, child, you had no idea 23 was going to be this crazy or 23 was going to be this amazing or successful or 23 was going to be a horrible year for you. I don't know what I'm going to know. But what I do know is I hope I'm able to offer myself compassion, kindness, and the space and grace to grow even on the days when I don't feel like I deserve it or don't feel like I have that compassion and grace to offer myself. So it's been another episode, y'all, to our Matilda era, I guess. That's what we're kind of ending this episode on. To everybody in their Matilda era, shout out to you. You're going to figure it out as much as I hope I do figure it out as well because I don't have anything figured out either. And that's been this episode. I'm your host, Hodan, and it's been great talking to you guys. Hopefully, tune in for the next episode. This has been Muslim Like Me. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.